go from a hymn to uh, and love it. Praise the Lord. Yeah, it was such a good story to intro. I mean, it's exactly, exactly true. It's exactly true. What a story to intro this message. Um, if, you would need, if you need a Bible, uh, someone will come and bring it to you. Put your hand up, and we will bring a Bible to you. We're going to be going uh, through Scripture together, so I'm hoping that you will have your Bible open uh, before you. If you don't have one, uh, get one. Uh, we treasure the Word of God. And we believe it to be true. I don't know, it was about, uh, about maybe uh, two, three months ago, and I was, I was doing some study and, and just asking the Lord uh, what this season of Lent would look like at the pier. And uh, um, I know that I, I announced different series at times. We're still going through the book of Romans. We are going to make it through the book of Romans. But the Lord wonderfully inter, inter, um, gives us intermission and gives us some different directions. So I'm just trying to follow him. And um, what he reminded me of was the fact of six miracles that happened around the cross uh, on both Good Friday um, and also on uh, culminating, the sixth one culminating on Easter. And, uh, and so uh, Ryan has given you kind of, a, kind of an interlude or a, lot of, a picture ahead of that. Um, uh, and the first one um, is found in uh, Matthew 27, the 45th verse. And it is the miracle of darkness. And it says these words. It says, uh, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And, um, and so darkness, what in the world is God doing? I think that sometimes when we read scripture, we can, we can, we can be so focused on what, on the tragedy that happened to Christ, which is what we should be, that we can kind of miss some of the, should I dare say, the ambiance or some of the things that the Lord is doing around, um, around this day. And I, I think it's huge. I think it's huge. And I think that is why the Lord has said, I want you to focus on the six miracles. So my challenge to you is this. Can you name all six? As we go through this, can you name all six? And what they are. The first one is darkness. Um, I believe the significance of these miracles reveal a few things to our hearts, these six. Um, I think in the greatest tragedy that humanity has ever experienced in all of our history of the crucifying not only of the innocent one, of the pure one, but of, of God himself being on that cross for us, that these miracles are are showing us, are giving us glimpses of something that is real when we're caught in, more real than what we're caught up in the physical reality of the crucifixion. And they are these. First, the true knowledge that was behind the event in history. The true knowledge that was speaking at this moment to all of us. Second, the true control of this moment, which seems to be 
in evil, but is not. And then finally, the revealed purpose that I pray through this season will awaken our souls, even again, to something that we hear over and over again every year. But our hearts should be awakened to this. Because just as, and Ryan, the only regret that I have is that I didn't have the words before this week. I would love to have those words in my hand just to read them over and over again. Because the song really reveals the two realities that came and clashed with each other. The reality of darkness every single one of us have experienced. There's no one here that has not. And sometimes that darkness can feel as though it's taking over and is more powerful as in his song said. But the truth about the light of Jesus Christ being more powerful, more in control, than we can ever imagine. And if we can experience that, we truly um, will experience the power that Lent's all about, that walking up to that cross is all about, that seeing the empty grave is all about. And it can change our lives. Because I know in a, in a, in a group this size that darkness is begging to take over. What your circumstance has been, where, where you have walked, is begging to be your identity. And I know that. And I feel that. And I walk with you through that. But there is a greater reality that is in front of us. And so as we think about this, as again, I, I go back and just from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. Does anybody know this is a, a prophetic outworking of something that was prophesied hundreds of years before? Do you know where this found? In the book of Amos, the eighth chapter, the ninth verse, it says these words. I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. And that's exactly what he did. It is, it is Amos 8, verse 9. I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. What is this supernatural darkness? It is a physical phenomena that reveals a spiritual sinful reality. It is judgment against sin. The darkness that came over the land from noon to 3 p.m. was revealing to all the evil that brought this moment in human history to the real reality of who was in control. Now, there's been a debate over this moment, which is interesting, I think, and that was, was this fact just a regional reality or was it a worldwide phenomena? I can't answer that for you except for the fact that the early church father, um, uh, Origen, 
mentions it a, um, to a Roman historian, or mentions that a Roman historian had mentioned a darkness that occurred in his life. Also, Tertullian wrote to a pagan acquaintance about an unusual darkness. And it's also believed that Pilate himself wrote to the emperor Tiberius of a darkness that the emperor supposedly knew something about. So was it a regional? Was it worldwide? Totally answer that, but there is some possibility that it could have been. Now, can we prove from Scripture that darkness reveals sin and that darkness reveals um, uh, the power of God? I, I, I could do many um, accounts from the Old Testament, but one, the ones that came to my mind was Genesis 15, 12, in which God had reaffirmed his covenant to Abraham. And then Abraham went into a deep sleep, and it says in there that a darkness, a dreadful darkness, overcame him. And he sees a vision of a single smoke pot going between the sacrifices that had been cut in half as a sign of a covenant, um, both in the physical world where they, uh, two men would make a covenant with each other, they would divide uh, the sacrifices, and then they would both walk through saying, I will live up to my end of the covenant, which now Abraham had done, but in his sleep, he only saw a single smoke pot with a torch go through it, proclaiming that God is the only one who can truly keep the covenant that was made. Second one was Genesis or Exodus uh, 10, uh, 21 through 22, where darkness came over Egypt in direct defiance to um, Ra, the Egyptian sun god, pronouncing to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians that they were rebelling against God, sinning against God by not letting his people go. And God came in the face of their God and said, I am God over all. I could go on. There were times that, uh, like with uh, Nehemiah, where he, was, where he was sick and God said he was going to die and then he sent because of Nehemiah's um, uh, prayer. Uh, excuse me, King Hezekiah's prayer, not Nehemiah. King Hezekiah's prayer uh, for um, uh, crying out to God, he sent Isaiah back to him and said, um, I am going to make you well again. What do you want as a sign? And you want the, um, the shadow to go 10 steps forward or 10 steps back? And Hezekiah said, it's easy for the sun to go 10 steps forward. Let, cause it to go 10 steps back. And there was a time in a war where God actually stopped the sun in the sky so that they could have time to win the battle. Incredible, incredible experiences that sometimes we can miss because we're so caught up in this world as though the, the physical is just going to just continue to be the way that it is and that there's no change in this world. And we can get caught up in the despair of, of the fact that does the spiritual really have an effect over our lives? 
Because life just, right? Life just keeps to seem to go on and on the same way it always has. And that actually becomes the very foundation of the critics that said, you know, where is this coming that your Messiah talked about? Because things are the same as they have always been. It's so easy to get caught up in that, that letting darkness overtake. So when does this darkness occur? How does this darkness occur in the life of a human beyond the fact that we were born with a sinful nature? It occurs, as Isaiah 5, 20-21 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Darkness takes over when you think you're smarter than God. And I can guarantee you've been challenged with that as well as I have. Second, darkness takes over when a nation turns away from God. Proverbs 28.2 says, When a country is rebellious, it has many rulers, but a ruler with discernment and knowledge maintains order. Job says about a rebellious nation in uh, the, the uh, 12th chapter, the 24th verse, the 25th, he says, he deprives the leaders of the earth of their reason. He makes them wander in trackless waste. They grope in darkness with no light. He makes them stagger like drunkards. Is this a relevant passage for today now let's not turn this political let's turn it personal every single one of us knows darkness every single one of us was born in dark separation between us and God but we have also experienced darkness in our relationships we have experienced the darkness of isolation from each other because of our own attitudes. We have experienced the darkness of lying to protect ourselves instead of letting the truth shine. We have experienced the darkness of pride rising up in us, separating us, dividing us, destroying that which is good within us. If you haven't experienced a measure of the reality of the supernatural darkness in your own life, then I guess you're not being honest with yourself. Every one of us have experienced it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Now this is the amazing grace of darkness. Why did God bring darkness for three hours in the middle of a day on Good Friday? Why did God let you experience darkness in the midst of your sin and broken relationships? It is to wake the people in Jesus' day up and to wake you and I up to the truth and this truth. In the darkest moment in history, in the darkest moment of your life, Sin and evil are not in control. 
And you do not have to be defined by its effect. Because see, even in the church, this is our greatest fear. Our greatest fear is not that we'll be damned to hell. Our greatest fear is that Jesus himself will be defeated on this cross. And that he'll be defeated in our life. Oswald Chambers said that, and he also said the very thing we are also, what, what our fear is, the very thing our God stood for, love, justice, forgiveness, kindness among men, will not win out in the end and will represent an unattainable goal for us. Isn't this true? Haven't you lived at times where it seems that evil is so prevalent and that the possibility of change is so dark that you can't even imagine the possibility of change. You can't even imagine the possibility of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ coming through and changing a situation and turning it to his good and to his glory. If you, if, if you don't, you're not being honest with yourselves. Because I have. My wife has. In regards to our daughter. Last night, which is probably providential, we heard some things. I don't make this about us. I do not. But we heard some things that broke our heart. It just seems a slip sliding deeper and deeper and deeper into darkness. And bringing our grandchildren into it. And it begs us to feel hopeless. It begs us to feel the darkness is more real than the light that we proclaim. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because I think it has been, there's been a darkness over the church for a long time. And the church has not raised up under the light of Jesus Christ and believed so greatly in the identity of the light of Jesus and moved to walk in that truth. And I think it's time. And so the grace of the warning of darkness is such a blessed act of love because it is a God who's saying right now, right where you're at, right where you're sitting, right now, don't you make this anything else but about you. Right now he's saying to you, I am the one who's in control. I am the one who is the overcomer of this evil. I am not defeated at the cross. I am victorious. If you can embrace that today, you can embrace the amazing supernatural event of the darkness at the cross. Why is this so important? Because seven times in Scripture, hell is described as darkness. 
In Matthew 22, there's, there's a wedding feast. And the original ones who were called refused to go. And so God, the, the, the master says, go out and get people. And in Matthew 22, the account is that there's a man that is dressed in wrong clothes. I've had people ask me, what in the world does that mean? It means that he's still trying to get into heaven under his own righteousness. And what happens to this man? The master says this, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A description of hell. Listen, it is a loving discipline of a parent who disciplines their child by bringing pain into their life so that the next act of crossing that street won't be an act that happens and enacts death in that child's life. So it is also that in the midst of the miracle of the darkness, of the grace of darkness, that God has enacted pain into your lives. Listen to me, not to destroy you. But to, but to awaken your soul and to let you know he's in control, he loves you, and he desires you to turn to him even in the midst of the darkness. So if you haven't felt the pain of the darkness of your sin, if you haven't felt the pain of the darkness of the circumstances around you, as an entrance to the understanding of grace, you don't understand grace at all. Because grace, pictured on the screen in front of us, was the shining light that shone into the dark. And it's piercing the darkness today. Can you see it? Can you see it? So how do you let this supernatural darkness work in your life? This is where we're going to go together. Turn with me uh, to 1 John 1. If you go to Revelation and you go back four, four books, you will find John 1. 1 John, 1 John 1. one John 1, 5 through 7. Let's hear these words. We're trying to answer the question, how do you let the supernatural darkness work in your life? You with me? Sweet. Sweet. Way to get that Bible, girl. 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. What's the message? Thank you. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live in the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And what's my point? What's his point? The point is this. God is light. There is no darkness in him. Do you know what keeps us in sin? Is we think that somehow God has let us down. That somehow there's evil in God and that in, that in this relationship, in this life, and in, in this experience, that somehow God's missed this one. Now, stop it. Don't argue with me. on It's true. It's true. Every sin is a sin in which I say, God is not enough. I need more. He doesn't understand me, and so I do. I protect myself. I do, I, I do an addiction. I, th- there's a reason why. is because I need this. He knows. He, he doesn't know I need it, so I got to do it for me. God's let me down. No, he is not. Because there is no darkness in him. There's no evil in him. There is no shadow in him. Everything he does, everything that he is, is good. And for your good, and for my good. Everything. 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 Doesn't mean that the circumstances or the sin are good. But in the midst of it, your sin doesn't change the character of God. And so how do you let supernatural darkness work in your life? Know the true character of God. Know it. Salvation does not come to you because you have intellectually put the structure together of what it is and now you understand it. Salvation comes to you when you know him. You know who he is. You know that he can be trusted. No matter what's happening. This is huge. I, I don't know what's happening in my life, but something's happening. I got, you guys remember last week I talked about this pastor and, and that we're praying and, and March are getting together? I got a call from another pastor. I, what's going on? And we sat down this week and we talked because of what is going on in his life, in his children's lives, he is looking to possibly change the theology of this word. He's, he's trying to adjust this because, listen, I can't stand the idea of my children going to hell because of their decisions. This is huge. What I'm talking about is huge because I need, we're going to have continual conversation, but I need to encourage him to stay, stay true to what he knows of God. Don't move from that. You know what has helped Sue and I? 
crying right now. What's helped Sue and I is to realize that our daughter was God's first. She was put on loan to us to raise her up in the Lord. We didn't do it perfectly, but we did it well. But ultimately, people of God, you have to give your children. You can't, your children or anybody else, you can't change the word of God because you want to fit something in it that, that makes you feel uncomfortable. You can't change the word of God because he puts you into the wrong relationship. And he obviously didn't understand because you gave me the spouse that is a pain in a place we won't mention. I sat with a person that said to me, I'm a righteous man. I'm a righteous, okay? And he stood on that, stood, I'm a righteous man. And then I asked him this question. Did God call you to marry your wife? And this righteous man, with all the conviction of the Holy Spirit, said, I don't know. Why did he say that? You know as well as why, why he said that. He said it because of his own protection. He changed his theology from a righteous man who follows God to a righteous man who doesn't know God's will because he wanted to protect himself. It's true. We cannot change this word. And the thing is, if you understand the character of God, you won't change this word. Does that make sense to you? You, you, you hearing that? Is that in your heart? Second. Second. Turn with me to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 23. We're going to read 22 through 23. I love hearing these pages turn. Praise the Lord. Okay, the second... The second way, listen to these words. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Healthy here, saved, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Wasn't at this time, but he was given, given hints of it. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, old nature, sinful, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's a very interesting passage. <laughs> and what it really is is this. What it's saying is this. Stop living in self-deception. People who are, are walking around saying, I'm saved, I, I've accepted Jesus Christ, but their life indicates they have no relationship with the Lord. It is self-deception. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? How great is the deception in your life? The supernatural darkness of God reveals the living darkness within our heart 
And the cross then becomes the instrument of We live in a society that's so caught up in self-esteem. But what God is calling here is from 2 Corinthians 13.5, not an act of self-esteem, but an act of self-examination. Anybody know that verse? Let me say it to you. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Guess what? It doesn't matter what Dave Holtrip thinks of me. What matters is, what is the Spirit revealing to me who I really am? And how am I responding to that? You are either going to continue to live in self-deception, and I am such a good person. I am such a, you know, look at all the nice things I've done. I'm not as bad as that person. I've never killed anybody. We do that all the time. But the spirit, the darkness, reveals who you really are, not for you to stay in that and say, I'm a terrible person, but to reveal it so you can say, Jesus, here I I lay myself at your feet. I see myself exactly for who I am. I'm not going to live in self-deception anymore. I want to live in your light. I want to live in your light. Noah's character Stop living in self-deception. And finally, Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Go with me there. And I thank you all for paging. I really mean this. I, somebody prayed and thanked the Lord that their pastor um, preaches from the Word of God. And uh, that's exactly what I only want to do because I am not smart enough to do it better than God did or to say it better than he did. I hope you know that and I hope you believe that. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. Let's, let's read it together. For you were once darkness. True or not? But now you are light in the Lord. True or not? Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And fi- listen, and find out what pleases God, the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what the church has got to get better at. Some of us are sitting here with darkness in our hearts. We know it, and we've never made it public to a trusted person or to the Lord. We just sit in it. Expose them. It is shameful even to mention with the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Listen to that. No, no, listen. Listen. Start living in the truth. And how does that happen? By exposing the darkness of your life to the light. And guess what it happens? Did you see it in there? Did you? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Stop it. You're arguing with me. See it. What happens to the darkness that's in us when it's exposed to the light? It becomes what? 
light. What? What? You mean the thing I've been defined by for so many years can actually be turned to a light that then can become a foundation and a testimony to share the light of Jesus Christ with others? Amen! That's why the gospel's not going out. We're not being honest with ourselves. We're not exposing the darkness and allowing God's transformation of light to take what was dark and turn it into light and become a testimony of light in our life. It's keeping you away from deep relationships. It's keeping you away from telling the world. It has been stopping the church from being the light to the world. so true so my prayer is that as you read again the account of crucifixion and resurrection this year that you won't fly by the darkness but that you will realize the reason there it's there is because of the judgment of God on sin the proclamation of his control of his sovereignty in the darkest moments of human history also that darkness is a beautiful act of grace to awaken us to the reality that is greater than what we can see with our eyes. God himself said to you and me in Psalm 139, if I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. And so call out to the one who sees. Speak to the one who hears and reach out to the one who's already reaching to you. Now, this is an interesting conclusion. I have experienced something with people who call themselves Christians who don't believe that the God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. In fact, there are churches that have stopped reading the Old Testament because they believe we're just living in the New Testament times. And I do believe that anything that is not proclaimed in the New Testament that is from the Old Testament, like the rituals and all that stuff, are no longer applicable to us. But I do believe that he is the same God that is the God of the Old Testament. In fact, he said these things in, in, in Psalm 50, verse 21. He said, when you did these things, I kept silent. You thought I was exactly like you. But I now arraign you and set my accusations before you. Somehow we believe that God is not the same God as the Old Testament. So, can he bring a physical manifestation of darkness again in this world? Now, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge you guys a little bit, and I'm not saying conclusively, but I just want to challenge all of us. Um, does God bring spiritual, supernatural darkness today to bring warning to his creation? Does anybody know what's going to happen on April 8th? Solar eclipse. Have you ever done a study of how many solar eclipses there's been in America? 
since 1776, since we have been created as a, or brought together as a nation. The first, there has been eight, by the way. Now there's partials, I'm talking about total solar eclipses. On June 24, 1778, there was a solar eclipse. On October 27, 1780, there was a solar eclipse. What was happening in America at that time? Who said this? Revolutionary War. Very good. Very good. There were three in the 1800s. July 18, 1860, August 7, 1869, and July 29, 1878. Do you know what was happening in that time in America? In the 70s. One was uh, March 7, 1970, and the other was February 26, 1979. Do you know what was happening in America at that time? Vietnam War. That's right. Now, we had a solar eclipse, if you remember, recently, right? August, 17, or August 21, 2017. There, there has been some talk about what that could be. I'm going to leave that one alone. I want to bring up a picture. Mr. Tony. April 8, 2024, there's going to be a total eclipse that's going to happen in America. It is going strictly across our whole country. It is starting in Dallas or in Texas, and it will move northward. Closest to us will be in Indiana. We will get about 80%, I think the number was, in Michigan, but 100% is here, and then it will shoot out of America in Maine. Now, I think it's interesting and fascinating. I, I hope that I at least pique your interest. Um, have you ever, has anybody ever experienced a total eclipse, went somewhere to, to experience it? Anybody here? Um, Dave did. And, oh, and Jay did. Okay, okay. I was watching on video this week, uh, and, uh, well, of course, yeah, Mel did too. Um, I was watching the effect on people when a total eclipse happens. If you ever watched it. I've never been a part of a total eclipse. I've never gone to see it. My parents have never traveled. But literally screaming out loud. Not necessary terror, but just screaming out loud. Just the reaction that people have when all of a sudden it goes totally dark around them in the middle of the day. And I, I was just fascinated by that uh, video. Now, I want to challenge you just a little bit further. <laughs> it starts in Texas. Anything happening in Texas right now that we should be concerned about? Okay, border crisis, but we've had a governor stand up and put laws in place for Texas to protect its state from what the federal government was unwilling to do. They pass laws. They now are putting these razor-sharp um, fences up across this opening in Texas to stop the border crossing. Is our federal government happy with that? Again, I'm not going to go political here. 
But I do want to say, and I'm not saying absolutely, un, you know, absolutely I'm, I'm understanding this. I'm not. But after April 8, is there going to be another, another civil war that's going to break out in our country? If what the past shows us is true, of the civil wars that have broken out, it would make sense. But I'm not going to tell you that I'm, I'm putting my stake in the ground in this. Maybe just take this as people of God. Watch. Wake up. Listen. Don't be, don't be, don't, don't let everything that's happened the same affect your mind. First of all, believe that even in your own personal darkness that God can turn it to light. Believe who he is. Believe him for who he is. Trust him with your life. In the midst of darkness, trust him right now because he is saying to you, listen to me, and some of you need to hear this, he is saying to you, in your greatest moment of darkness, in the thing that has been the most difficult thing for you to deal with in the darkness, he can turn it to light, and he can turn it to your greatest move of grace in your life, absolutely, if you'll trust who he is. And if you'll let it, Tell people about a God who saves us out of darkness and brings us into a great light. That's what Isaiah said in chapter 9. There were people walking in darkness that saw great light. And that is what he wants for us today. Let the light of Jesus Christ shine on your broken relationship. Let the light of Jesus Christ shine in the fact that you're not with that spouse anymore. Let it shine in the fact that you're struggling with your addiction. Let it shine in every area of your life. And trust him that in the midst of the supernatural darkness that shows you who he really is, that you can trust him and start living it out today. Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. He who believes in me will no longer walk in darkness, but in light. Let him. It's a promise. Stand with me. Heavenly Father, uh, as we conclude this portion of our service, there's not a soul in this room that doesn't believe there isn't a darkness over this country, over this state, over this city, over this, over this block. And every single one of us claim that the light of Jesus Christ shines in us. Father, it only takes a match to light up a room. For light, darkness is only the absence of light. 
And so, Father, in this moment, as we're looking introspectively in our own lives, examining ourselves to see how great darkness may be in each of our hearts, I ask that you will pour light into that heart and change and transform it. I pray that, Father, that 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 will then work out into shedding your light into the world around us. I pray for you can ministry tonight as Lord Chuck wants to lead us to shine the light into this community. I pray that we will be faithful to do that. Father, you are good. And you love us. And you've allowed darkness to come to reveal that you are sovereign, that you are in control, and to reveal the truth of who we really are so that we can see who you really are so we can live it out. 